As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to 755 is Real and a very important St. Patrick's Day Spectacular with me, David O'Brien, your brace rider with The Athletic, and my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, out up, in, uh, not in Seattle. Where are you, Eric? I'm on Walla Walla, my hometown. Walla, your hometown? Yeah. This is my hometown. <laughs> you, uh, you're moving back there, right? Yeah. Fill the, fill the folks in. Uh, I mean, we just got... You know, we had a great setup in Seattle, but it, it just rained so much and we were doing homeschool with the kids and I'd look at it and my six-year-old would still be inside. You know, he hadn't even gone outside for the day. It's like 2 p.m. So we just decided to get a different uh, pace of life and have more time on our hands. We got another boy on the way. So um, we got grandma out here to help. It's going to be good. It's, it's a good move for our family. I think it's going to be hard for my wife, but I'm loving it, man. I mean, I've gotten so much done in such a short amount of time here versus everything in the city just takes forever. Yeah. And if people, even though you're in the same state, you're in a whole different climate, right? Because you're on the yeah. other side of the other side of the state. It's like four hours from Seattle. It's, it's been sunny every day we've been here. A uh-huh. little colder, but it's not wet. Cost of living is probably a little lower, right? A little bit than Seattle. Oh man. Yeah. It's like <laughs> my property taxes alone are going to go down like 15 grand. It's, it's a wow. different, it's a different life for sure. Well, you can still get uh, uh, streamed games there, so you'll see. <laughs> Got internet. All the baseball. Yeah. Um, what a spring, man. What a weird spring so far. But, hey, hey by the way, happy St. Patty's Day, man. I, I, yeah. uh, I got my Larry Bird shooting shirt on, so we're good, man. I saw that. <laughs> Who's going for second? <laughs> um, let's start with a couple of notes. First of all, the biggest news in, in years in baseball, the bases are going to be a couple inches bigger. <laughs> in the minor leagues. What is that all about? Did you just go, what? That, that was how I, I thought at first it was a joke. I thought the bases are going to be bigger with all that's going on in baseball. And you thought that would be a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. I'm hoping it's not this art, you know, cause they hired Theo to, yeah, I know. <laughs> to get in, you know, I hope this isn't coming from him. Um, I don't, all the tinkering, man. I just, 
I don't know that you can really compete with social media and video games and all the stuff kids are into. And these little changes, I just don't see how any of it's really going to make a difference. I know baseball's trying to, to figure out what they can do, but I don't think the answers are in moving the mound around or, you know, anything gimmicky. You know, I, I think it's the way the game's marketed. I mean, I, I, but I didn't understand why they think doing that a couple, what is it, a couple inches on each base? Who cares? Do, do they Who think that, that there's enough bang-bang plays that that's going to make a difference? Because people just adjust, you know? Yeah. You know, it's not going to make the difference where every bang-bang play all of a sudden is a stolen base. That's not yeah. going to happen. Now, if you reduce the the distance between the bases by a foot, maybe yeah. that would make a difference. But that's not what they did. You know, then you'd have to change the whole fields. So they went the cheap route just by making the bases just bigger. Make them bigger. See if that works. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like they're just throwing crap at the wall and, and kind of seeing what'll stick. You know, the you know? only positive I saw from that when I saw it, and it's probably not. I don't think it's even the intended thing. But I thought about Tim Hudson when he when he that when he got his ankle blown up. When he was reaching back with his foot, when he was covering first base on that yep. throw, and he and he and he missed the base, and he was reaching back with his foot to get the base, and he ended up putting his ba- foot too far under the base, and it got who stepped on it? I forgot. Met one of the Mets. Uh, ben Revere was it? I'm not. I'm not 100 on that. It was. But he crushed. I thought it was a Phillies dude, but he just destroyed no, it Huddy's ankle. It was in New York. It was the Mets. It was in New York. I was there, and it just uh, shattered his a- ankle. So I could see maybe you avoid one or two incidents like that with a bigger base, but it seems put like the softball base on back, back behind first base and foul territory. <laughs> I mean, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't see any of it making anyway, any noticeable difference. We've, uh, we've spent enough time discussing that. Yeah. What, were the, what were the other minor league uh, changes they were talking about uh, that stood out that were dumb or, or were any of them making um, sense? They had to have the, the, at this point, man, these things come up and I don't even read them. Yeah, I, I feel like, cause they're just so I'm numb to it. Yeah, none to it. Yeah. They What's were one? doing something with uh, infielders have to be on the infield uh, dirt. Right. 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 That's the shift rule. Yeah. Which They're I trying. think could, could change stuff, but it's They're hard for me to, shift. it's hard for me to gauge how hard it is to hit MLB pitching because I I came up with guys and playing against guys and the most frustrating hitters for me were like Chone Figgins and Reggie Willits, guys that would slap the ball and take their singles. Yep. But those guys don't, you know, they don't get jobs now. It's yeah. not, it's one players don't feel like they get paid for hitting like that. And then two, you know, guys that can really have back control, like a Martin Prado or somebody like that. If you try to shift on them, they'll beat it, but they're not getting opportunities. It's it, the way that the teams are built is different. I think they're trying to force teams to build their teams differently, but they can't do it because the, the teams are winning with these approaches. Yeah. In the launch angle era, you're not getting guys who do everything, who mm-hmm. can beat the shift by laying, slapping one down. Who at the same time they're thinking about launch angle and crushing balls. You know, Freddie Freeman is an exception. You know, and they still shift the hell out they of still Freddie because I guess they figure it's almost a win to get Freddie to take a single the other way. But there aren't many guys like Freddie that that can do that. You know, mm-hmm. and that they're going to keep shifting on if he shows he can do that. You know what yeah. I mean? With Freddie, it's still worth it for them to shift. Because he gets a lot more balls, a lot of line drive hits taken away than hits right. he gets. Yeah. Yeah. Than hits he gets shift, putting through the shift. Because he, he didn't get more than a handful of those a year. When he, to me, to me, that's when what he I'm hits thinking. a ground ball with his swing 
it's when he turns it over, you know, mm-hmm. so it's that top spin ground ball that sneaks through the infield or those those top spin line drives that get right over the second baseman's head. Now he's playing 10 feet deeper and they catch him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, you know, as a pitcher, singles are the most frustrating because that's what starts the whole inning. That's what gets, you know, you got to deal with the runner on first now. You got to deal with the pressure of a runner on. And if if you had a lineup full of guys that are willing to do that, I think it be, could be pretty effective. But most of them are built where there's just, you know, even, I mean, you're batting Acuna leadoff. Yeah. So you're dealing with a dude that can go deep right from the start of the game. So it, it's just a different game now. But yeah, I just don't see, I don't know how, I don't have the answers to how to come combat it and change it, but it's making yeah. the bases bigger is not, not doing it. <laughs> it's not the answer. I'm yeah. torn. I'm torn. I have, I, I, you know, I wish I could say that I have a strong stance uh, like I do with steroids on shifts, but I don't because I see both sides of it. Mm-hmm. it. It frustrates the hell out of me when I see these ridiculous shifts, you know, and, and so many guys get line drive hits that should be rewarded with hits for hitting the ball that hard. Right to somebody. Right to somebody. It's almost impossible to get it through the shift with some of them are so stacked. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm, I, I can see the other side, which is you don't like it, hit the ball over there where they're not, you know, so I can see both sides of it. But when when a guy like Dusty Baker, who I love, comes out and says, if you can hit, if you can really hit, mm-hmm. you can beat the shift by hitting it through the left side. I can see his side of that, but then somebody counters with, yeah, but Dusty Baker wasn't hitting 103 and 95 mile an hour sinkers, you know, DeGrom. That yeah. guy. So I can see that side of it too, because there's something to that. There is different pitching today than there was then. Yeah. And it's it hard to hit, a, to hit a ball through the left side. Everybody's not Freddie Freeman or Brian McCann could also do it. But that's what I can't speak to, and I wish yeah. I could because I watch the games and I think the same thing. I think just go the other way. And, right. you know, I think until you've stood in a batter's box against a dude throwing 99, which seems like every team has eight of them now, Yeah, um, it's I just can't speak to it and say, you know, why don't you just be like Martin Prado and flare it the other way? You know, or why, right. why don't you just take your single? And I would talk to hitters, you know, because even while I was still playing, it, it would come up a lot. Uh, and I would talk to him about it and the mindset, you know, and I thought it was flawed, but again, I've never been in the box. The mindset was, I'm not going to hit any home runs flipping the ball the other way. And I got to put up my numbers. Mm -hmm. So it almost comes off sometimes as like a selfish approach. Um, but that's just, I mean, that's just the way, that's the way hitters are looking at it and that's what they're getting paid to do. Right. That's right. And people, if you want to call them, you can't call them selfish when that's what they're getting paid for. You know, that's the way the game's economy is geared towards, you know, that's why it fosters, you know, the launch angle and all that. So if you're a first baseman hitting 10 homers a year, you're not getting called up. Right. You know, even if you play great defense and you can help a team win, like a say Casey Kochman type of guy who just had great at bats, took his singles, you know, quality player. Teams want home runs out of those positions, so guys are like, "Those are the numbers I got to put up," and they and they they chase them, and that's why they wind up just continuing when they miss to hit right into the shift, and it looks bad. And even a guy like Marquecas isn't appreciated as much today when he hits, you know, fifteen home runs from a corner outfield spot. They want thirty, you know, from a corner outfield spot mm-hmm. today. But, um, but yeah, you know, when they're throwing. 98 in on the hands or sinkers. I mean, it's like you got to be thinking about hitting the ball through the left side, you know, poking it through on the sh- yeah. to beat the shift. That's tough, man. It's yeah. not Little League. You know, yeah. 
Yeah, we could do it in Little League, stick the bat out there and just kind of hit it the other way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, like Kelly Leak, reach out and hit, hit, a, hit an extra base hit on a pitch out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the, the number one thing that's gone wrong was, one, they moved the fences in. And because almost every stadium, like yeah. City Field, Safeco, San Diego, you had all these parks. Detroit. Moving, Detroit. Yeah, Detroit. All these hitters parks where, you know, the, the outfielders were playing deeper, so singles had a better chance of falling in. Yeah, they brought like the Colorado. fences in. Yeah, like Colorado would be a zoo every game, and and that's what killed you in Colorado wasn't yeah. necessarily how the ball flew; it was how yeah. big the outfield was and and all the bloop singles, and then the home run. Yeah. Um. But you know, they did that, and then they juiced the balls, so they made it such a reward to chase the home run, and they made it they made it so guys that are, you know, would be five to ten homer guys can now hit eighteen, and they can yeah. hit opposite field home runs, and I think that. You, you know, you almost have to move the fences back and make the field bigger to start enticing guys to chase singles some more. Yeah, and that's where baseball aired, I think, because you know they never had uh, they never had minimal minimum uh, distances for fields and stuff. Because back in the day, they were building parks to fit in city blocks and that kind of thing. So you had like polo grounds where you'd have two hundred you know, down the line and two hundred and five hundred to center. So they yeah. had to make it fit. So you couldn't really make uh, you couldn't limit uh, uh, or, or make minimal restrictions for ballparks. But you could nowadays because no ballparks are built. You know, like Fenway Park in a city block, yeah. that kind of thing. So, but it that's one of those things that would take forever because you'd have to you couldn't you couldn't make fields retrofit. Mm-mm. You know the stadiums that take are there, right, right. So, but most of those places, it looks bad because they brought the fences in, and there's just space. They put bullpens in there, or there's just space. They put Monument Garden at Yankee Stadium, you know, inside between the fence where it was, and yeah, you know, it's just uh, it's uh, there's like you name five of them. There's like five fields that they had a great idea when they built the park, and then they said, now people want more offense. You know, our, our free agents want to go somewhere where they can hit home runs. So they cave to the pressure and bring the fences in 40 feet, you know. City Field was a Well, was City Field, huge. I mean, when, when they built that park, David Wright couldn't get it out to left center. I mean, he was yeah. like the main guy that was pushing for the fences to be moved in and saying it's too far. He'd, he'd get a ball to left center and it hit yeah. the wall. And now you got lefties going opposite field over that. It was huge. That was a huge park. Yeah. And San Diego, all their guys complained. Remember? Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Giles, those guys, they couldn't hit bombs because it was it was c- huge park when they first built it. You know, all but these now, parks were like Marlins Park was until and Marlins Park finally caved last year. Yep, and brought them in. Those were great places to go because it was different there. You know, it was like you could you didn't have you had more pitching duels and and not some yeah. home run fests. But uh, it was funny because when the Padres were all complaining about their park in the first few years, remember what happened when the Braves played there. Yeah. Andrew and Chipper. Andrew had more home runs at that Pet Petco Park in like the first four or five years than any hitter from the National League West. And the Braves only played one series there a year. That's it wild. was crazy, man. It was crazy how the Braves hit there. Andrew but Turner Field. Turner Field was big, especially big. the right center. Yep. Chipper and and Freddie lost a lot his first year there to, but Chipper lost a lot of home runs in right center at uh, yeah. Turner Field a lot. So did B-Mac. If, yeah. like, if B-Mac would have played his whole career for the Yankees, he probably oh. had another 100 homers. <laughs> you know, the, it, it pisses me off when people start talking about the joke fields and they and they start naming places like Colorado, which 
it's really not a joke at all. It's just altitude. And, and, and like you said, all those balls that fall in front it's of all hitters, the singles yeah. in front of outfielders, what are the gaps? Yeah. Triples. You got so many triples there. I mean, look at all the triples there. But uh, nobody ever mentions, or rarely, Yankee Stadium. Right field it's at Yankee joke. Stadium is an absolute joke. It's like Cincinnati. The new one, you when you're shagging in right field as a pitcher, you feel like you're too close to the action. Like you can't get yeah. far enough away to shag. Everything's gone and everything's over your head. Like left field at Houston with that yeah. Crawford box seats. Yeah. Which they have like 320 on the wall and it's actually like 310. <laughs> 304. Yeah. Yeah. They're a joke too. But at, yeah, least, I, at least the wall is 20 feet up or whatever it is. Yeah, it's high. But it, yeah. even then, it's like all the doubles off it and line yeah. drives that would have been caught. Kind of like Fenway. But Yankee Stadium, the, the wall's not even high in right field. Mm-mm. That's a joke, some of the home runs that are hit there. Yeah. <laughs> Opposite field, just fly balls. Oh, 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 home run. Yeah, but then you think about that. You know, when, like I think it was at Yankee Stadium – I can't know it was in Philly. Philly's a good one, too, in right field to, yeah. to sneak some out. But some of those balls Acuna hit last year and looked frustrated or two years ago. And then they snuck out like 15 rows. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they didn't even scrape the wall. He thought he popped up. Just kept you know, carrying. I mean, if you can run into a homer on accident that easy to opposite field, why are you going to try to beat the shift? Yeah, no doubt. It's going to be interesting to see the effect the balls have when we know they're using all the new balls in the regular season. I don't know how if they're using them all in spring training. They or look not. normal. They look like the juice ones right now. Yeah. Some of it's the balls. It's tough I'm to tell in spring training because the way the ball carries in Arizona, it's yeah. tough to it's tough to tell. I mean, look at the PCL numbers out in West in the West. Um, but it's going to be interesting. Somebody asked me because I predicted that Acuna, if he stays healthy, I predict he's going to get 40-40 this year, and I think he'll push 45-45. He's in terrific shape. He's slimmed down. He looks great. And somebody said, well, what about the new balls? I'm like, try to name three home runs Acuna's hit that <laughs> did not go 15 rows up. He it's never hits him. fence scrapers. He doesn't no. hit fence scrapers. No. He he's doesn't. like Ozuna. They hit bombs. If they get it, it doesn't matter what ball they're hitting. Um. The guy that would have lost a lot of home runs was the catcher where they had a, a, a couple of years ago. I can't even think right now. Went to went to the Nationals. The Braves had him? Yeah. Yeah. Hawaiian dude. Why can't I even think? Oh, Suzuki. Yeah, Suzuki could hit some wall scrapers. <laughs> he hit so many wall scrapers. The left field, I'm yeah. thinking all these ones he hit inside the foul pole. That guy, he, he'd lose some home runs. He would have lost five that year probably. But I can't think of any Acuna home runs that would have been affected by two or three feet, which is what they say this this new ball will be. The yeah, difference. I mean, you just got to wait and see Yeah, could, what it you know what it does. I kind of hope that I'd like to see a different game too. You know, I mean, it's it's fun to watch a game with, with action on the bases and all that. Um, yeah. But you just got to wait and see because they've just been tinkering with the ball for years, it seems like, and – I don't even know if they know what's going to happen until it, <laughs> until it goes on the field. And that's what happens. They never should have started tinkering with the yeah. ball. Never change it. Just go with what it is. Instead, they go too far with it, then they cut it back, and they probably go too far this way. Should've well, even if Acuna it. gets 45-45 this year, and then you say the bases are bigger. You know, I mean, just, no, the major league bases aren't bigger. Oh, good. Thank it's God. only the minor league bases. Okay. I know you're going to have an asterisk by the stolen base, but the thing is, you're not going to set any stolen base records. That's those are never going to be broken. No, Ricky's got that locked Never. Down. I mean, him and Vince and and uh, and Rock Reigns, those guys, they were stealing over a hundred sometimes. Him and Vince, a hundred. Hundred. I think he had 140 one year. 
Somebody told somebody asked me, I said, that's the record that'll never be broken, more than any of the others, except for, you know, the steroid records that Barry and had. Cal Ripkins, Cal Ripkins is going to be tough to beat. Right, right. But I'm talking about, like, performance, you know, instead of longevity. Oh, no, I you're said, not beating. You're not beating them because the game's changed with the slide yeah. steps, and guys aren't using a big leg kick, you know. Back then, they were putting leg kick on when runners were on base. <laughs> Ricky steal two bases before he even threw it to the plate. Different game. Yeah, different game. Uh, yeah, there's so much quicker to the to the plate. There's analytics and catchers, pop times, everything. But the slide step basically just changed everything, didn't it? I mean, yeah. Till the early '90s, that came along. You don't see this stuff. You know, you'll see a guy still 70 now and then. Now in the you're 60, 60, but it's rare, and they yeah. have to be the fastest guy in the sport and run it every chance. You know, I'm trying to think what D Gordon D Gordon's one guy yeah. I thought. He was the guy that had like a couple 60s, 70s, didn't he? I'll look it up. Yeah, I'll, he did. He's the last real burner and threat on the bases I remember, you know, being a problem. Him and the guy the, uh, the brace had from uh, Billy Hamilton. Billy Hamilton, that's right. Yeah, well, you're talking Gordon about, got 60 and 64 a few years. But you're talking about guys with world-class speed, you know? You know yeah. what I'm talking about? So there's very few of those left. There's not really a place in the game for Billy Hamilton right now, the way it's played, but... You know, if he could get on base, if he could hit 280 hit, and get on base, 350, yeah. then okay. But he wasn't hitting. So Acuna gets on base, leading off, and runs. And they're not and they're not putting the red light up for him. They're not putting a stop sign up for him. I'd like to see it. You know, I'd like to see I'd like to see what he can do in a full season. Do you how much do you think it affects him if Freddie is batting third instead of second? So they're not a taking lot. a I do. It should run more, right? They're not taking yeah. a bat out of Freddie's hands, right? No, it gives him an, it gives him an at bat to try to get it versus yeah, you know, with with Freddie up and you get thrown out or or he can't he can't swing at his pitch because Freddie gets pitched pretty careful, mm-hmm. so he might get his pitch in that at bat. You know, um, there there's a lot of times where you would get told that or not me, but hitters would get told the the runners would get told you know don't take the bat out of his hands, yeah. And you could sense it as a pitcher. You'd look at the guy on first base. Like I, I had Andrew McCutcheon on first against me one time in extra innings, and his lead was just a little baby lead. And I'm thinking, I, I was worried about him the first two pitches, and then I realized, oh, he's shutting it down and letting this guy hit. And I could just mentally kind of forget about him and focus on the hitter. But yeah, with with Freddie hitting third and not right after Acuna, I mean, it gives him a full at bat. Depending who's um who's there, you know, if it's Dansby, I like yeah. it because you can hit and run yeah. with him too, like a bat control guy. I do too. Um, That's what I like there for that purpose. I like it for hit and runs with Dansby, and Dansby's not a guy that they're you know he's not Deadpool or or anything. I mean, he can spray the ball a little bit, so that gives him a, a hole at bat to try to get the bag. Yeah, I love Dansby there, especially the way he's hit last year and this year in spring. He looks like this too. He's got a great approach and go the other way. He 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 knows when he needs to take a pitch or 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 or. Uh, if he knows he's running, you know, he's going to make con. He's not going to, he's going to make contact, you know, or foul it back or whatever. Um, he's, he's a cerebral hitter and I, and I don't want Ozzy up there worrying about Acuna so much. You know, I like Ozzy where Duvall was as another big, big bat down a little damage. Yeah. So I like Ozzy in there at like six or seven, man. I mean, I like him there with yeah. Darno, like at fifth, you know, behind Ozuna. I like mm-hmm. Ozzy down there further where he's not even worried about, you know, anything. So just going up there and raking. So. Yeah. And it's it's nice to have a guy like Ozzy, you know, kind of toward, toward the bottom of the lineup with speed too. you know, yeah. kind of get things, 
going yeah. back again if, if you get through that hard part of the lineup. Almost, you know, like a leadoff guy for the bottom of the order. And I loved I loved the idea always of Dansby as a two-hole hitter. It's just that he had a couple seasons where he wasn't hit enough mm-hmm. to justify that. Yeah. But now that he is, I really he really fits the profile in a lot of ways of, you know, classic mentally, two-hole. Mentally, yeah. he's a good guy to have there, too. <laughs> That's with, the, you know, that changes next year when the DH comes back. Because I love it with Freddie hitting second with the DH. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, then you can then you can hit Aussie ninth, and then you yeah. basically got two leadoff guys for Freddie. And they will go back to Freddie second immediately. Yeah. If they don't go back this year, they could this year, but I don't think they will as long as it's not just a disaster with uh, you know, whoever's hitting two. So that's going to be interesting. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Most of the Braves people are, you know, looking at the line. If anybody's looking at the offense and actually worried, you know, one, they haven't watched enough spring training, but two, they should know Snit really hasn't played most of the lineup regulars until this past week. He hadn't played most of the guys more than once back to back. Now he's starting to get guys in for like three in a row because he knows it really helps him get in the rhythm, get some at bats, you know, instead of getting two at bats and going two days and getting enough. So, and you can see it immediately results when Acuna, who started off slow, he got three straight games. All of a sudden, he looks like Acuna. He homered in three out of four games after starting off one for 14. Ozuna, he was scuffling even more than that. And he hit a bomb yesterday, three-run bomb. And he skipped like three-quarters of the way down the first baseline. <laughs> it was it was spectacular. It was like, that's Ozuna. Uh, so the regulars, the only one, Freddie hadn't really gotten going yet, but he's, you know, he started late and he hadn't got many at bats at all. And if Freddie doesn't get one hit in spring training, are you going to be Who the cares? least bit worried about him? No, no, not at all. He's healthy and he's fit. That's all that matters. He looks great, fit, fit, fitness wise, and he's healthy. So, you know, the babies thing, maybe that might have been the best thing that could happen to him in the offseason because you know he's going to rest more and get all the body parts rested. You know, hope he's got a good nanny. <laughs> I mean, oh man. That's a lot of action he's got going on in the house right now. Well, they do. You know, they have the yeah, aunt. I'm sure he's a nanny. Yeah, they, 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 they might have another one in Atlanta for all I know. I'm sure. I'm sure they're well covered in that regard. Yeah. No, he's he can afford it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> afford a little help. Oh man. So yeah, when he starts when his, when these guys start hitting more, you know, playing more games, they're hitting. But you know, they had a lot of guys this year. It's a little different. There's there's no big games because of the pandemic. They they axed the big games, which is where a lot of guys got a lot of action, you know, in big games. You know, people mm-hmm. didn't see those, but there was a lot going on in those games. So all of a sudden you take out big games where you're playing another opponent on a backfield because of the pandemic. You're playing the same five teams 
again and again and again. We're playing the Twins and the Red Sox. It seems like every day. Yeah. But, but so what? Uh, and Snit has a lot of guys fighting for those last couple of bench jobs, and a lot of guys fighting for the last couple of bullpen spots and the last rotation spot. As a result, all of those guys have been playing in, in the A games for the first couple of weeks. Yeah. And you had some games where you only had like two lineup regulars in them. You know, so you haven't got many at bats at all for the regulars. And now you're starting to see a lot more of those. And you sent 25, 24 guys to minor league camp, which it's not even open yet. So it's really just separating them, you know, but, yeah. they're, but they're technically not in big league camp. They're still playing in the games though, but you sent them down to kind of start focusing on the guys that are going to be on the opening day roster. So things have changed in the last few days and you're getting to see a little more representative sample of the, of uh, the players, but yeah, there's no big games in, uh, that's changed everything, and and you know, and, and not been, and you haven't seen Drew Smile has pitched in two spring training games, and so has uh, Freed for that matter. So all the rest of the work's been in sim games, live BP. So it's a little different than than what you're used to, what I'm used to seeing. It's it's hard too because you know those B games aren't the same. Those sim games, all that stuff's not the same. You want to be out there, but without the the B games, you got to get a look at these guys that are on the bubble. You know, yeah. Freed's on the team. Smiley's on the team. So you have them go pitch wherever you can. You try to get their work in, but but you do as a player, you do want to be in the big games and, and pitching with fans. And and if they got a night game, you know, you want to be out there under the lights and doing all that. But it, it definitely complicates things, you know, running it. And then also when you're worried about guys spring training stats, you have to remember that teams are also throwing guys that, that aren't in the zone. You know, right. you, you can face you know, a lot of times a guy like Freddie would go down to the minors and maybe even struggle because yeah. pitchers aren't around the zone as much. It's more sporadic and they can't take their approach down there. So, I mean, that that type of stuff, and especially this year is why spring training numbers mean, you know, almost absolutely nothing unless it's a guy trying to make a team hitting 600. And this is a unique situation for the Braves this year too because they brought in a handful of veteran major leaguers, former all-stars. You get mm-hmm. two former all-star third basemen, Pablo Sandoval. And, uh, uh, you had, a, uh, you had hand, uh, lamb. You have Jake lamb, right? Two yep. former all-star third. And then you have Jason Kipnis, former all-star second baseman. Well, you don't, you're not going to bring those guys in. Cause you know, when they sign, you talk to them and say, you'll get a chance to show. Yeah. So you're going to let them get ABs. So those are the yeah. guys getting a lot of ABs in these early games, more so than the regulars are, because you got to see what they got left. Yeah. If they got something left, and hey, you got you know a guy like uh, Kipnis was an All Star not long ago. I can't you believe know? he's on a minor league too. I mean, he must yeah. have had some, a couple rough years, huh? Yeah. Or Lamb. This is a guy that you know hit bombs. He, he had. The same two years where Duvall had 30-plus homers for the Reds, Lamb had 30-plus homers for the Diamondbacks. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at – you're hoping you get a guy that – you know because Lamb had a, a rotator cuff injury and then a quad injury, basically lost two seasons. So you're looking at maybe a diamond in the rough or a guy people have forgotten about. All of a sudden, you got a hell of a bench bat, you know, much more than you've had in the last couple of years that can hit you bombs. So they wanted to see what these guys have left. They're seeing some good things out of some of those guys. And, uh, you know, Sandoval, I think, is, you know, he could still put the ball in play, but is he, uh, I don't know if he's, uh, you know, it might be a guy you stash at at, uh, at Gwinnett and have ready in case you need a third baseman or a first baseman for a couple of games. Because you know what you're getting from him. Right. And he's a great yeah. clubhouse guy. You know, yeah. he's a great guy. He's going to keep things loose. And, you know, they liked having him for the playoffs last year, regardless of what he did. 
So, but Lamb, they've got real character guys too. These guys they brought yeah. in, Lamb. Well, and that's Kipnis. how you stick around. <laughs> Lamb and Kipnis, yeah. Yeah. If, if you're if you're not good, dude, you know, as yep. soon as you have a bad year, you're gone. You're out of the game. But so you you know just from just by the fact that they even got the opportunity, they're good guys. Yeah, uh, we've talked about this before, man. It was classic example of this. I talked to uh, Giles. <laughs> I talked to yeah, that's fine. But I talked to uh, Kipnis mm. yesterday. Okay, he's on a World Series team with the Indians with Josh Tomlin, and Josh is like at what they thought was near the end of his career at that point, right? Kipnis is an all-star. He's a stud on that team. So Kipnis is in, comes over to the Braves. Tomlin is now, you know, established with the Braves. Yeah. You know, loved here and everything. It's on a major league deal, signed in November. Kipnis signs a minor league deal late in the, late in the winter, right, as a free agent. Kipnis is over in the he's, – he's in one of the side uh, – they're using all the clubhouses. They have, my, they have like, minor league clubhouses for every minor yeah. league team at the new place. So he's in one of those clubhouses because they got everybody spread out because of the pandemic. Yeah. So he's over talking to Tomlin in the big league clubhouse. Tomlin opens his big drawer, you know. All the guys got the big drawers, and he's got four new pairs of shoes. Like all the guys, you know, that are on the team, major league deals yeah. have shoes. And Kipnis says he tells Tom because I asked him. I said, I said, are you surprised to see Tomlin still going, still going on a big league deal and going strong here with the Braves? And he said, Yeah, I'm surprised because I was at his locker and he pulls out a drawer and he said, and he said, I told him, I said, Man, who would have thought we were the World Series a few years ago? That I'd be sitting here, I'm camped up in one of the minor league clubhouses, and I'm over here, and you're over here with four new pairs of shoes. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, but it was one of those what you talked about being a it good guy, fast. but being a good guy can help you really stick around for a long time. And uh, yeah. he is a classic guy that stuck around a long time. By, I mean, obviously, you still got to perform, and he's done that, you know, in whatever role they stick him in, you know, and he's been invaluable. You know, as a coach on the field for the young guys, but he still can pitch. Yeah. But, but if you're an asshole on those with those other things, that's a, you're gone. You don't have you're a chance. Gone. Yeah. And Kipnis is a great guy who's still getting another chance, even though he's had a couple of down years. But it's just funny. Tomlin is like the epitome of what we talk about with those guys. Well, and you never get that second chance to turn it around. Is the thing you know? Because you'll see guys have. Like Duvall, you know, Duvall had that that down year and struggled and everything, and then yeah. winds up, you know, turning his whole career around. Um, you, you get guys like that, and and they, if you keep getting opportunities, something might click. But if if you're a douche, man, like, I mean, and you're just out of the game, and and nobody wants to deal with you, you know, I mean, it's it's something that you know I pride myself a lot on because my last two years with the Braves, I was like, you must have been a great guy because you don't belong out here right now. I mean, two years in a row with a six ERA and just kind of keep getting opportunities. You know, they they were committed to giving me that chance to turn around. I just couldn't do it. But um, yeah, it's just it's it's not hard. You know, that's the first thing teams ask about too. You know, yeah. they, when you get traded, nobody says like you know, is this curveball really as good as they say? Everybody calls a former teammate and wants to know if you're cool or not. You know how you're yep. going to be in the clubhouse. So that stuff's really important. Yeah, and anybody that dismisses it, I mean. Teams wouldn't focus on it if it wasn't important. You know, they don't do it. I mean, teams are here to win, man. Yeah. They're not taking guys just because they're good guys. They're taking them because they're good guys that can help them win. If they didn't yeah. have Josh Tomlin, who knows? Mentor says his career would not be turned around if it wasn't for Josh Tomlin. So you've got one guy right there who's now a key piece of your bullpen, and he says Tomlin is the reason. Yeah. 
that's what, you know, that's what kind of what David Ross was for me. And that's, that's why so many people were so happy for him because he was just backup catcher, you know, never really, never really getting any press, but we all knew his value in the clubhouse. And if you gave us a choice between him and some guy that hits, you know, 15 homers off the bench, everybody would have picked Rossi on their team, you know, over that, but he didn't blow up until he went to the Red Sox and won the world series. And then he went and had the same impact with the Cubs and people started to really realize his value. And now all of a sudden he's managing a major league team and he's on dancing with the stars. (laughs) I mean, he, he finally blew up, but we all knew that's who he was the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I asked Tomlin if he'd like to be a, when he, when he was finally ready to hang him up, if he'd like to be a pitching coach, you know, or a manager, he said, all these things. I'd love yeah. all these things. He's one of those guys that never made a fortune playing. He's made good money, but not a fortune. And just loves the game and being around a guy so much. Yeah. Loves getting there early. Loves staying late. He loves talking to everybody. Perfect guy for that. I could see him either being one of those guys that works his way up through the minor league system and manages in the minors for 10 years or five years. Or I could see him getting a job as like an assistant a bullpen coach. And if he yeah. did well enough, maybe getting a chance as a pitching coach, you know? Yeah. Well, you definitely got to grind, you know, not too many guys just go straight from playing right. to, to being a manager, unless you're Stars you got to be like that. a Carlos Beltran or, or somebody right. that's just so established in the game and everybody knows you. But you know, the hard part for baseball is going to be, you know, there's a lot more to coaching than just, you know, looking at numbers mm-hmm. and it, the hard part for baseball is guys are making so much money now that when they offer you, you know, you want to start this minor league job for us and try to work your way up at 50 grand a year. Yeah. And that was, you know, that's a, that's not even half a paycheck for them or a quarter of a paycheck. You know, do they want to, do they want to put the time in? So I think baseball is going to have a really hard time finding good quality experienced big leaguers that'll put the time in to climb those ropes. Like, you know, like Ron Washington. Yeah. Yeah. He, if when he, he would have been a lifer either way, but when he played back in the day, he would have made so much money. He would have never needed to coach. Yeah. And, and now, so you're going to have guys that really good players, a ton of knowledge just kind of get, it just gets lost because they're just going to disappear and enjoy retirement. And you've set the precedent now of hiring because you had to, when you, if you mm-hmm. want a guy to manage in the big leagues, who was a big league player, you're pretty much going to have to roll the dice and hope he can do it without any experience, you know, or yeah. very little experience. Cause you're getting guys going straight to managing like, like Rossi, you know, yeah. if you want to get those guys to manage, you're going to have to a, a straight to the, take them, you know, what you know about them, their personalities and just say, I think you can do it, but you're yeah. not, most of them aren't going to go up and do it in the minor leagues for a few years. They're like, I don't need to do this. I could be a, I could be a, I could work for ESPN and make easy money. You know, I make good money doing um, working a few hours a week, you know? Yeah. Like I like chipper, you know? Yeah. He's taking a part-time hitting coach job now, but if you wanted him to be a manager, you know, he's going to have to be named the manager. Too. Yeah. And he's got to want to put that time in. Cause it's a, it's a big commitment. He's not going to do it until his kids are grown up. Yeah, and what he's doing now is on his terms. Show up when you want. Home games, show up at noon, work till game time, go home, watch the game, put kids to bed. I've been, you know, I've talked to some, a couple organizations about, you know, being a single A pitching coach or something. And it's like, you know, I got to move, my kids are in school. I got to move my family, be away from them all and go live in some town in the Midwest Mm -hmm. and grind it out. And probably operate at a net loss, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you because of all the moving your family and, and everything. And it it just hasn't been appealing to, to do that, you know, for I think they'll have to start paying if they really want to keep guys that have played a long time in the game. They're going to have to start paying them a lot better. Yeah, because this minor league 
those those salaries are low. It's, it's like fifty grand a year. Yeah, and that's why you get that's why you get more of the journeyman type players mm-hmm. that take those guys that didn't make enough in in their big league career to just live on for the rest of their lives. Which you know? sometimes are the best coaches because they had to grind and, and they understand the ups and downs and the failures. But if you want a guy with Chipper Jones knowledge, right, you just got to get lucky that he's willing to do it because it's right. not going to be about money. Right. I mean, you can, you can count on one hand the number of great former players who are mm-hmm. managers. You know, yeah, Dusty Baker. And uh, can we even name the other ones? Uh, there's good players. You know, uh, Beltran would have had a Cora. You know, good good players. Good players. But great players. Dusty also, Baker, he was great you know, for a while. But another most hurdle of, is you got to be willing to take Snell out in the sixth inning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, you got exactly. to be on board with the analytics and all that stuff, too, to get a job now. And Dusty was great in a different era where they didn't make enough money to retire forever. If, right. if the Dusties of today are making 20 to 30 million bucks. They play golf. Yeah. So it's different, man. You're right. They're going to have to jack up those salaries in the minors a lot. But I think it's going to yeah. be more guys going straight into a straight managerial job or a hitting coach job, you know. But they don't make much money either, hitting coaches. You got to start jacking those up like you did, say, college defensive and offensive coordinators who lose yeah. to make, you know, a hundred grand. And now at the big schools are making a million dollars. Yeah. So you got to find me a way to value it. Right. So if a, if an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator at a, at a, uh, at a power school is making a million, two million dollars. You gonna tell me a hitting coach should be making 150, 200 grand? 162 games they're they're working their asses off for eight months a year, you yeah. know? And then a lot of them in the offseason are also being asked to go work with hitters or whatever, take calls. And so you gotta make it worth their while if you want the great ones doing it, staying in the game. Yeah, because there's there's just so much more, and I'm not against the analytics side of baseball at all. You know, I don't, I don't have a problem with it, but there's so much more. There's just a mental side of the game that it helps so much to have been through it and, and understand thought processes and and keys and how to get out of slumps and all those things that that you know that numbers won't necessarily tell you. And ideally, you find coaches that played a long time and embrace that. But like Ron I, Washington, yeah, but it's Kevin it's Seitzer. hard. Yeah. And so, and like sites, I mean, can you put any value on what sites has done for all these hitters? Yeah. You know, it's been terrific. Guys working with them or you know, I mean, I would I would pay Chipper five million a year to be my hitting coach yeah. if I was a team. And he embraces like adding Chipper or adding Mags, Bobby Mags yeah. from AAA. He didn't have an ego or a concern about his job where he goes, No, I'm you're going to uh usurp my authority by adding more guys. He's got four, he's yeah. got three assistants now. One was yeah. a former MVP. Who was the biggest name in Atlanta sports, arguably in the last thirty years, yeah. and uh, and he didn't even bat an eye. You know, you want to add him in January, you make headlines, do cool. it. Yeah, because he's like, are you kidding me? I lo- Chipper and I are on the same page. I love when he talks to my guys. So <laughs> it's got to make the job easier. <laughs> you know, Sites is, is well set. He knows. He knows. He's he's okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They got a they got a, they got a great coaching staff. You just hope that uh, these guys will stay together a few more years because they're in their window right now to win it all, and their coaches are all. A couple of them are getting up there, but Wash shows no signs of slowing down. Yeah, and the other guys aren't aren't in their sixties yet. So, no, they're we'll lucky. See. They're really lucky. They were able to piece this together. Th- this group of coaches, Cranny, really has fit in great too. Yeah. You know, they love Cranny. I thought. Uh, I thought uh, the other day, who was it? veteran pitcher that came in drew smiley was talking about how cranny is uh has got that old school vibe 
but he embraces the news, the analytics and all that. He says, I like that. You know, that guy's been through a lot and everything could relate to you and all the old school vibe. But at the same time, he's not like, he doesn't dismiss analytics at all. And they've got enough people on the staff that they can, they can present these analytics to the players in a way that, uh, you know, they're not, they're not asking the, you know, the, the numbers crunchers to come out of the, 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 uh, analytics den to, uh, to present these, here you go. You need to do this and that. You know they yeah. have coaches to present it to them. Yeah, and I don't mean to mock the uh, numbers because they're not <laughs> I mean, like that. That's they're how cool you're guys. gonna. Most yeah, that's cool how guys. you're gonna be viewed though if you're just handing right. a piece of paper over and telling a dude that's played seven years in the big leagues to, you know, he needs to swing it, swing first pitch more or something like that. You know, the but guy, when it comes to a coach and a guy that's done it, he's yeah. absorbed the information and he agrees with it and he presents it to you, you know, in in a baseball way then you're a lot more likely to accept it. The guy in the, in the polo shirt tucked into the neat pressed khakis coming in <laughs> and going, I've noticed that you're launching. Oh, like, you know, that's not <laughs> yeah. the guy you won't tell them, you know, presenting yeah. these numbers to you. Yeah. So, again, anybody, any of them that watch this podcast are going to go, Oh, thanks a lot. Asshole. <laughs> Cause they're not <laughs> like that. The ones I know are cool guys, guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The game Tuesday against the Sox was a microcosm of the good and bad of Kyle Wright and Tukey at this point in their careers. Both guys pitched. They're having Tukey piggyback. Again, there's very few innings for relievers at this point because, like in a piggyback situation, you you wanted Kyle to go like four innings and Tukey to go three. Kyle ended up not getting out of the third. But they're eating up a lot of the innings, you know. And and for the first two weeks, they were only playing seven innings. Yeah. And then it's, now they're playing nine. But yesterday, you saw the good and the bad. Kyle Wright, we saw it last year in the last in, in, in September, late September, and in his first postseason start, where it was terrific. 
Mm-hmm. And then we saw in his start against the Dodgers where he didn't get out of the first inning. It was awful. And they had no chance to win that game because of how bad he was in the first inning. So he's still not quite there. And he's still an inning gets away from him and, and can still unravel from for him in a hurry. And then we saw Tukey yesterday. Tukey, I think, every time I think he's turned a corner, he has to stubs his toe a little bit. But, man, he's come a long way. He's so close, I think, that – you know, he had a he had a period, he had uh, two games, one last week and then Tuesday, where last week's game, he gave up a single to the first guy he faced. Then he retired the next nine guys, three innings stint. Then he started out yesterday by retiring the first six guys he faced. And then in any case, third inning came apart on him. But that was 15 straight guys that he retired over two games. And you've talked about how Tukey is, for the guys who say, uh, you know, the Twitter people uh, that say, you're jerking him around, put him in as a reliever. He's great for an inning or two. It's but if you're Tukey, you got four pitches. Yeah. Explain why you don't just, at this point, a 24-year-old guy, you say, you're a reliever, you could do it for one inning. Well, one, because he's way more valuable. A starter's way more valuable, you know, and, and he's got he's got too good of stuff, and he's too close. And and it's, it's tough for him. He's in a tough spot because if he was in an organization that was rebuilding mm-hmm. – they just give him 200 innings this year, you know, or 150, whatever it is now. And they'd let him figure it out and then get their answers. But he's in an organization, you know, for his career, unfortunately, you know, personally, he's in an organization that's win- that wants to win this year right now. So they, they can't afford to have that patience with him that in my mind, he needs, he needs to know that if he messes up, he's not going back down to triple a. So there's that added pressure for him all the time. Right. Um, but He's, I mean, he's got 95-mile-an-hour fastball, nasty curveball split. I mean, he's got the stuff to be a legit major league pitcher, and he's too young to give up on in that sense. Um, you know, kind of like where Newcomb was at a few years ago, um, and they just kept kept trying to figure it out, and he thrived in the bullpen. It's, it's easier to be a relief pitcher. You know, it, it's challenging in a different way, but mm-hmm. you can throw two pitches. You can come in. You don't have to think. There's not as much exposure to have that bad inning. But for him, you know, it's 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 almost unfortunate that he's in an, an organization that's so stacked with starting pitching options and two trying to win right now. Or he'd just be, you know, if he was with say the Marlins or somebody, he'd just get he'd get his opportunity and get a chance to kind of really figure it out. Or if he was Tom Glavin with the nineteen eighty seven Braves, mm-hmm. you go two and four with a five point five four ERA and nine starts. And then with the 88 Braves, you go 7 and 17. Lead the majors in losses with a 4.56 ERA. You get 34 starts, 195 innings. How old was Tom at that time? Tom was 22. Yeah. In that second year. Tukey is now 24. When Tom was 24 with the 1990 Braves, the worst, the worst in the worst of first. So they were still last place. So he's in his fourth year. He's 24. Tom went 10 and 12 with a 4.28 ERA in 33 games after having a 3.68 ERA the previous year. So anyway, those you're talking about four seasons. Let me look at this real quick. He is, after four seasons, Tom is 33 and 41 with a 4.29 ERA in 105 starts with a 1.353 whip. You would have no chance to do that now. With this no. team, with, you know, but not with this, not in this organization. So when they got good in '91, this is a guy that's figured it out. The '91 Braves, the worst of first team, he goes 20 and 11, leads the majors and wins with a 2.55 ERA at 25. Yeah, 
The next year, he goes 20 and 8 with a 276 ERA. Oh, and in that 25, uh, in, in, for the worst first team, in, uh, at age 25, his first really great year, he wins the Cy Young. Second year, he finishes second in the Cy Young. Third year, of when he's good, he's 22 and 6 with a 320 ERA and finishes third in the Cy Young. So it's just what you're saying. I mean, this is a guy that got chances for four years, and look how it paid off. Yeah, so, and if they'd been good during that time, you know, who knows? You know, I mean, he wouldn't have it's hard chance. to say a guy as good as Tom Glavin, Hall of Famer, wouldn't have been a good pitcher at some point. But so much of it's just taking your lumps and, and learning the league and, and that mental maturity, man. And you just you need time to do it. And the team doesn't have time to give him. So he's, he's just in a tough spot. Oh, I think Tom would have been great, obviously. But I think it yeah. would have been either here in another couple of years because he'd have to go oh. back and forth between AAA or trade it. Yeah. And gone somewhere else and thrived. And that's what teams are afraid of, too. You know, you look at Tukey's stuff. Exactly. How bad do you look if you don't get a good return for him and then he goes off to the Diamondbacks or something and and wins 15 games? He goes off and becomes Adam Wainwright. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's you don't want to give up on a guy too early. And and shoving him in the bullpen, you know, it's not giving up on him, but it's it's giving up on him. You know, it's it's giving up on a, a part of him that that's where his highest potential is. So it could be a good year in that regard because the Braves fully intend to give all their regular starters extra rest coming off mm-hmm. the pandemic year. So this is a unique year, too, in that I don't think we're going to see any of the starters, maybe Freed, maybe Charlie Morton, because he's at the end of his career and they don't have to worry. He's not worried. They yeah. might go over 150 innings. But I think all the others are probably going to go about 120 to 150. Yeah. So you're going to have a lot of starts there for guys like Right, Tukey, Inoa, to make like between maybe three and eight starts a piece. I'm just throwing out a number there. Not, maybe yeah, not it's, all it's of sporadic. Them. You know, it's still going right. to be. It's like kind of piecing it. it he needs They're, a run where he needs. What he needs to happen for him is he needs to come up and and just deal and and force them to let him pitch again. Like and Ian Anderson kinda, did last year. That he didn't give him a choice. He, right. He, Ian Anderson was going to pitch again. All of a sudden, he might have been the best pitcher on your team during that that period, you know. So that's what Tukey needs is is he needs he needs consistency and he needs to get a lot of starts. But when you're an up and down guy and 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 you've been inconsistent, you know, the team just they don't have that they can't throw you back out there not knowing what's going to happen. So you have that bad one, and it's it's here we go again. And that's a that's a really tough place to be as a as a pitcher too. Yeah. It'll help, I think, in that they're going to have the they're going to have the alternate site at least to start the year because Triple A season, minor league season, been pushed back. So they'll be on it every fifth day, and they'll be yeah. facing major league caliber hitters instead you know, of sitting some, in the pen. Right, yeah. right. Some guys down there rehabbing, some other top prospects, some guys that have been, you know, some really good hitters. It's yeah. not going to be like facing, you know, your typical Triple A lineup. Um, and it'll be on it every fifth day, and that's what they were on last year, every fifth day. So you saw when Ian Anderson came up, he was ready. And you mm-hmm. saw when Kyle Wright came up because he, when he got sent down, he was on that every fifth day. Bryce Wilson every fifth day at the, the alternate site. So I think if if they put Tukey in that rather than have him go bullpen start, you know, if they have him every fifth day and keep him on a schedule, maybe he maybe he's ready to step in. If somebody if there's there's going to be an injury at least one. They got yeah. a couple of older Always. guys. They got guys coming off pitching 27, 20, 30 innings. You know, there's going to be. It's not going to work out the way you want it to work out. So if you're pitching well enough down at the alternate site or AAA, you're going to get a chance to start. So you just got to be ready, and, and like Ian Anderson was. You got to make say, the most of it. 
It's funny. Remember when Ian Anderson made that first start? It was not even a question whether he's going to get another one start. <laughs> no, because it's dominant. He beat, he beat Garrett Cole in the Yankees. And then he makes that yeah. second start against Boston, wins. And then it's like, you know, how long is he going to stay up? It's not even that anymore. It's like he's in the rotation. Yeah. But that's <laughs> so, yeah. all. I mean, honestly, that's all it takes. And Ian had the benefit of not having a history of of good and bad. You know, I mean, he he got a fresh slate. He came up and pressed, and he just rolled with that momentum. You know, the, the more years that you do what Tukey's done where you kind of get hot and, and cold and, and being consistent, you know, people just have a tendency to to just believe that's who you are when you're bad. You know, it's it's that here we go again. Uh, there's there's who we really thought you were. And that's not fair for a player because he hasn't he's never really gotten a chance to start for two months in a row and figure that out. But, yeah. you know, nobody feels sorry for you and you get your opportunity. You just got to make the most of it. So you got these two former first round picks in Kyle Wright and Tukey. Kyle's 25, Tuka's 24. Uh, yesterday, Kyle, he got replaced in the third inning with two out and a bases loaded against the Red Sox. And it was just a reminder that, you know, just when you think last year he turned a corner, then he has that game against the Dodgers. And then in spring training, he has a game like this. It's, it just takes a long time for some guys, man. Other guys mm-hmm. make it look easy, like Ian Anderson. But, you know, they pulled him with the bases loaded in the third inning yesterday. And that was not the plan. But the, he, he ran up so many pitches against, you know – he kept getting ahead two strikes on guys and not putting them away, and that's been a problem for him this spring. And Snit thought in the first inning, even though he got through that with just one hit, Snit thought he got away from using his fastball again, and that was a problem last year. You know, uh, he'll get away from using his fastball or from using his. You know, he goes to that slider all the time. You know, and starts guys start spitting on it, and so I think it's just still figuring things out. But you can't afford to have a blow up like that this year or last year in a 60 game season. But this year, I think the NL East is going to be so competitive. Oh, it's going to be tough. And the bullpen's not as deep as last year, not nearly mm-hmm. as deep. So you can't afford, like you could last year, you could take guys out in second or third inning because you were 10 yeah. deep in that pen and you had a bigger roster. This mm-hmm. year, it's going to be a normal pen. Good. Not real, real deep. And you can't afford many times taking a guy out in the third inning, man, and, and making a bullpen work six innings. Against the caliber opponents you're facing in the NL East, you can't just give up a game because in a regular year you sacrifice some games because you don't want to, you know, you're not going to uh, tax the bullpen and bring in all your best guys. But you can't do that as much, I don't think, in a year where there's some really good teams in the East and there's five teams that are going to make the playoffs out of the NL. Five. Yeah. Yeah. And one of those is going to be the team in the West that doesn't win it. Yeah. So there's one spot basically for non division winners. So you got to win the division. In the NL East, I don't think second place is going to make the, the tournament. I think the Central is so much softer that they'll yeah. probably have two teams in it. Yeah, they could. It's tough, man. It's a it's it's going to be a I don't know. I mean, I, I expect the 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 Phillies that they don't scare me. The Mets if they I mean, it depends on, you know, those changes. They had changes in ownership, changes from the top down. Mm-hmm. Um Got Lindor. They made some. They made some pretty good moves, but they didn't do everything I was expecting. I thought they were going to go all out, but still, I mean, Nationals are decent. Uh, Braves are still my favorite to win the division because they've already done it, and and I like the team. I like the I like the stuff that the intangibles the team has, but mm-hmm. you, you don't have time to mess around for sure. So yeah, Ozuna hits a three a three run homer yesterday in the top of the third. Braves are up three two. Wright comes out after he had had he had given up two runs in the second inning. So he comes out to third, strikes out the first two batters, Alex Verdugo and Xander Bogarts. 
And then he hits Hunter Renfro with a pitch, gives up a line drive single to uh, to uh, Gonzalez, walks the next batter, Vasquez, to load the bases. And Snicker, that was it. Pitch count was getting up, and Snicker brings in Thomas Burroughs, who bailed him out by getting Christian Arroyo on a liner to Dansby. So he got out of that. You know, right? Asked asked Kyle about it, and he said a little sporadic. I feel like I have a good idea of what I was doing. I have to go back and watch to confirm that, but I think I just got a little too antsy. Once I got those two quick outs, I wanted to get another one. I ended up losing command a little bit. Got a little too antsy and rushed to the plate. Mm-hmm. Those are just the growing pains you go through. You know, it's uh, he's he's in that same boat where he he was pretty inconsistent with a lot of starts, but you see all the potential there. And it's it's just going to be him and Tukey and uh, Wilson just duking it out. And whoever whoever takes that job, I mean, whoever gets and opportunity and, and makes – and Anoa too. I mean, I always forget about him, yep. but he's – he just doesn't have the hype. But he's he's just as – he's maybe the most reliable, you know. I mean – Right now I go Bryce Wilson. To me, he's the most reliable, and, and I would have never said that, you know, until yeah. last year, until he comes in and beats the Marlins in the game to clinch the division. And then obviously a start. Good play. You can't start, forget yeah. that start against Clayton yeah. Kershaw in games. Yeah. What was it? Three. Yeah. Three or four. That was phenomenal. I mean, that just showed me so much. And then this About spring, him. Yeah. yeah. And then this spring, even like the other day, he has a he has a, he gives up five singles in four innings, no runs. Now he got help on a the third. He gave up three straight singles in one inning. Christian Pache made an incredible throw to the plate, nail a guy. But he got he got through it all. He didn't fall apart. Didn't walk. He's not walking anybody. And yeah. that right now is what Snit loves guys that don't walk anybody, you know, because he gets sick of walks last year. And <laughs> just like I, Bobby, I like Bryce Wilson in that spot in the fifth spot to start the year. That's what I. That's the way I'd go. It's not going to last that long, you know. I think Soroka's going to be up, but if Bryce pitches his ass off, you know, then then maybe you make a tough decision. Uh, you know, I can't see anybody else getting booted at all. I mean, Smiley would have to completely fall on his face, but they gave him eleven million dollars. They're not going to. It's going to take a lot to move him from the rotation, you know, early. Yeah, you're not just going to eat that. No, no. But there's, yeah, like you said, there's injuries. There's always, there's always yep. stuff coming up. But Soroka, I mean, I can't believe he's as far along as he is. Achilles used to be so much scarier than it seems to be now. Eight months in, and he's uh, throwing sim games. Threw a sim game yeah. against Ian Anderson last week. I know a scout that was there said he looked great. Said he was uh, maybe his velo is off a couple of clicks, but that's totally to be understood. I mean, understandable at this point. And he said the most important was of his movement, his location was all good. He looked good on the mound. He wasn't favoring. He said he had a couple of ground balls near the mound, and one he fe- fielded cleanly fine, and the other he said, man, he showed a little, maybe he's favoring it a little bit. But that's the only that's the last step for the Braves is the running part, you know, because he hasn't ran out of the box yet. Maybe in the last couple of days he has, but that's what they're being careful with because they don't want him babying it or worrying about it, uh, you know, because they say after like five months or whatever that the Achilles is not going to snap it strong again. But tell that to a guy that's trying to run on it, you know? Yeah, tell that to the guy whose Achilles snapped. Yeah, right. I mean, that's that's going to be – that moment's going to be in his head probably maybe even the rest of his career anytime he starts to kind of think about taking off the first or, or fielding ground balls. You know, you're always going to subconsciously fake just favor that ankle a little bit and try to try to stay off it. But, and then you injure something else. Yeah. But th- that's why you don't throw. I mean, even if he's going out there and he just threw three innings and struck out nine with no hits, you know, you still, you still be cautious of that because you know that, that that's going to be in his head and he's so valuable. I mean, if he was 37 yeah. and, and you, you had a weak starting pitching staff, maybe you throw him out there early and rush him. But 
Yeah. With a guy as valuable as him, I mean, there's just no reason to risk it. So Tukey, uh, you know, said he retired 15 in a row at one point. Uh, asked him after that game where he gave up a single and retired the next nine guys if what how the changes what he's what he's done since last year, and he said experience time. He said he's just taking it day by day, but the experience that he's had in the last few years has really helped. But he said. I took it upon myself to slow things down and just be happy with what I'm doing. Just take that and build on it. He said, asked him, is there anything you, you did to throw more strikes this year? And he said it was a mechanical issue. I worked really hard this off season to get that mechanical issue fixed. So I could repeat my delivery. Asked him to kind of specify. And he said, my glove side was low. I was rotational. I wasn't linear. I just got more linear to the plate. I got my glove side up. I just told myself, be more athletic instead of becoming a pitcher. Just be more athletic and throw the ball over the plate. And that's basically what my job is. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Oh, it's just simplifying it. You know, yeah. just, I mean, if, just the thought of being athletic and, and yeah, talking about, um, right was talking about being antsy. Those, it's it's incredible how much your mentality can affect your mechanics you know self doubt tension you know stress all that stuff you just start moving different you get tenser and you don't move the same um tuki talking about just you know being in the moment and just you know taking it one pitch at a time and slowing the game down those are all the things you hear great players talk about but they're the hardest things to do you know cuz when you start feeling pressure you just move different you move tighter mm-hmm. um but that that makes pretty good sense. And those are just the steps, you know, maturity wise he has to take. And that's why you don't give up on him. Uh, Drew Smiley, you, do you, uh, he, he had, he's had two games in grapefruit league games. Cause he's one of those guys that's pitching a lot of sim games, you know, and, and instead of grapefruit, but two games went two innings in each. The second time he's supposed to go a lot longer. He looked great in the first one or he looked okay in the first one. He looked terrible in the second one, but, See a guy that, you know, in his thirties, you know what he did last year. You know what his, you know what his breaking ball does. See a guy, you just dismiss this and go, you know, you never know what he was doing. He's working on something. Something's like, you know, what he does in these spring training starts, you're not going to put much stock in that, right? You can't. You already gave him 11 mil, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's with veterans, you know, it's, it's not exciting. They're not feeling pressure. It's hard to get up for the games. I, I never look into their spring training stats. The only guys you really look at are the guys that are trying to make a team and, and might be feeling that pressure and the games might mean something to them. But for yeah. Freed and, and Smiley going over the minor league side or, you know, I guess in, inner squad, whatever they're doing, those games aren't the same. But mm-hmm. maybe you're working on something. It's just that's why spring training is so hard to gauge, because if you suck, you just say you're working on something. If you do well, you, you know, you give up some reason or something else you're working on and blame it on that. But nothing really matters till the lights come on. He said the problem in the second outing was that he wanted to get his curveball going. I mean, that's his best pitch. And, and he throw his off speed after not doing that much in his debut. But he said here after he used the curveball to get out of trouble in the first inning Tuesday in his second start or a week ago Tuesday, that he went away from using his fastball and he started spiking yeah. the curve early in at bats and hanging hanging it with two strikes instead of putting hitters away. In result, he had he gave up eight hits, five runs, and one walk in two innings, and that included a rolled second inning. You know, they're rolling innings this year. If uh, if it's getting out of hand and the pitch count's getting up high, they're just yeah. quitting the inning. So, you know, he you gave got up guaranteed money. You got the luxury to kind of tinker yeah. around a little bit and try to get your curveball going. You know, yeah, yeah. Last thing before we break it, uh, there are many guys that you know stand out in spring training where you really go, whoa, this is notable. Jason Hayward was one. 
you know, the spring he had that year. Cool. Freddie Freeman stood out in spring. You know, there there are occasionally guys that do. Most of the time you dismiss guys' stats in spring training because you know they're doing it against minor league pitchers or they've done it or they're older guys who've been around and know yeah. minor league pitching. There's no match for them getting in the seventh in. Like Kazmar, you know. People get all excited. He's hit three <laughs> home runs early. There's a reason he hasn't played in a major league since 2008. God bless him. Great guy. That's why he's still in the organization. He's 36 years old. And people say, is he going to make the opening day roster? Like he's all of a sudden a really good player. He's a great AAA player. And he knows what to do against minor league pitchers in spring training games. Can you tell people why there's always – you don't get too excited about guys you know, of that ilk who have big springs? You've seen them before. Well, exactly what I was just talking about is he knows he's not making the team. <laughs> you know, he's not he's not playing with any pressure right now. And and you you wind up facing, especially if you're in his shoes, I don't know if he's starting or what he's doing, um, but you wind up facing the lesser talent and you just you happen to be doing it in a big league spring training, you know, game on the big league field. But yeah, you wind up, you know, the backup guys and the guys that come in later in the game are just you know, it's it's guys that they're, he's playing against AAA right now, you know, or, or the guys you face. Um, there's just, you know, like I used to have Willie Bloomquist with Seattle. We were in spring training, and he seemed like he hit 400 every year in spring training because yeah. he was just willing to take his single. And you got pitchers working on, you know, like Smiley working on getting his heater back in the zone, and they just take their single to right field. It's, it's just not – it's not – the everybody's doing different stuff, you know. Some guys are working on things. Some guys are trying to make teams. It's just kind of – it seems like everything's just random. And yeah. that's, but you know, you got your guys like Freddie and Ozuna that you can confidently say when the lights come on, they're going to be who they are because you have a track record of, of watching it. And Kazmar's got a track record that he has. So a good, you know, three weeks in spring training doesn't change the player he is. And that was, I was getting around to uh, the point I was going to make was very few guys that I've really seen in spring training where I've gone, whoa. Uh, I've seen one of those this spring and Michael Harris, mm-hmm. this is a guy that I'm going, Whoa. And you know, you see him in a game before I knew much about him. I saw him in that game last year where he was, uh, 19 years old. He just turned 19 and the Braves had him playing in those exhibition games against the Marlins that were on TV. And he had a mm-hmm. hit and he looked in the box like a veteran up there. This guy's put together about six foot muscular little guy. And he looked totally comfortable. I'm going, this is the kid that was just drafted out of Stockbridge High in 2019. Uh, what round was he? Third rounder. And that game is where he stood out to me. And I asked about him. I said, yeah, he's really. And then he goes down. They And that was why they sent him to the alternate site last year, even though he had no chance to make the team. They wanted some top prospects there because they didn't want him just sitting around all, all year. They knew they were too valuable to do that. So he's one of those that had no chance of playing, but they wanted there all year. So he spends the alternate site, you know, he spends two or three months down there facing big league pitchers that are down there rehabbing or sent down, like guys like Fulte and Newcomb, top prospects like Ian Anderson, you know, Wright, uh, Tucker Davidson, Muller. He's that's the guys he's facing every day in these in these they played the exhibition or spring uh uh scrimmage games every day. Well, these are guys we were talking about. It could accelerate their growth, you know, getting yeah, to go against that competition. Exactly. He's one of the rare guys that this paid off for him. Yeah. He, instead of playing in like high A last year, you know, because he'd only played, he's played 53 games of pro ball, half of those in rookie ball, half of them in low A. That's it. So instead of playing, playing in A ball last year, he's facing these guys. He comes into camp this year 
And for the first couple of weeks, he was the best player on the field. That's I mean, awesome. this kid can hit. He's up there. He got behind an account. I was down there for a week, eight days, and he got behind an account one day. He's down one, two. He fouls off three straight pitches. He looked like Nick Markakis up there fouling off pitches. Looks totally comfortable like he knows what he's doing. Like, yeah, I'll just foul these off till I get one I can hit. Then he hits a hard ground. He grounds out, but it's a hard hit ground ball. Gets some dugout. Everybody's patting him on the back, handshaking him. I mean, this kid's got professional bats. He's 20 years old. He just turned 20 two weeks ago. <laughs> just turned 20. So I, I guess set up an interview one-on-one with him. I talked to him. Really mature. Quiet, really mature. I talk. So I call Marquise Grissom. I find out has been his mentor. Marquise Grissom has a baseball program, kind of like East Cobb. He's got his own in South Atlanta. A lot of the inner city kids, that kind of guys play in it. And Marquise Grissom took this kid under his wing a few years ago at a Stockbridge High, made him his, and I put him on, and this kid went to his summer ball team. Marquise has had, he had four guys drafted in one year, a couple of years ago. And they were the year ahead of, of uh, Michael Harris. And he said, Michael Harris was the best pitcher on my team and the best hitter on my team. And I had four guys a year ahead of him that got drafted and he was the best hitter on the team. He came in, he was a skinny 15 year old. He's worked his ass off. And now he's this wiry 20 year old. And I mean, this kid has got everything. He's a five tool guy. He hits for power. He is opposite field and he can go get it. He made a, he made a catch the other day in the gap dead sprint back to 420 at Boston. They have, a, it's kind of like Fenway. They have a thing that juts out 420. Yeah. He made a catch about there near 420. Got a great arm because he was a pitcher 93 topped out at in the high school. So he's got a great outfield arm. And I talked to Grissom and Marquis says, this kid's different. He goes, and now as a former player, when I say kids different, the last guys I saw it said were different was Chipper Jones, Gary Sheffield, Jim Tomei. Those are the guys, Barry Bonds. Those are the four guys he said I would say are different. He said the great ones are all different. This kid yeah. is different. He goes, and I, he goes, I'm just saying as a former player, I'm telling you, this kid is ready. He just turned 20. And Marquis Grissom, the two-time gold glove winner, all-star. It's not he doesn't lavish praise on these guys, and he said he didn't try to say you know the kids got a ways to go you know. And I had I've I've had I've had a lot of guys drafted. He's he's just one of them. He said he's the best one, and he said he told him when it, when the Braves drafted him because they wanted to play for the Braves from here, uh, Atlanta kid, same county as Hayward. And he said when he's drafted, Marquise looked at the guys that they have the outfielders they had you know Pache, Drew Waters, the top prospects coming up. They had Stoyd Enders, three-time Gold Glove winner, uh, and Acuna, obviously. And he said, there's four guys they've got. You know what they've got. Well, you got to go out and play your ass off and beat one of yeah. them, or you'll be going and playing somewhere else. That's what you got. And he said, and he rose to the challenge. He said, worked his ass off, and he's ready. And I, after seeing him, who am I to dispute Marquis Grissom? But after seeing him, I can't see anything that he needs to do. I know it's absurd. The guy just turned 20 to say he's ready, but – if he doesn't make his debut this year, it would only be if somebody gets hurt, probably. But if he doesn't, I think he could be ready to move into the lineup left field next year when Ozuna moves to DH at 21 years old, just turned 21 at that point. Well, that's kind of how quick Acuna blew up, you know, as yep. far as people talking about him and things you started hearing say being said about him. You know, once you get, especially really long time major leaguers, you know, guys have been in yeah. the game a long time. Once they start ranting and raving about a guy and, 
kind of singling them out like this dude's special, you know, most of the time those hit. Yeah, I mean, the names that Marquise mentioned, you know, as a former player, a guy was around 17 years, I think, or 19 He's years. seen ago. a lot. Yeah. He's not going to throw those out there because he knows he'll look foolish if the guy comes up and, you know, he's not going to decent with the team that Marquise lives in Atlanta, too. So he's going to be careful with his words. And he didn't try to hold back at all. He had no hesitation to say this kid is different. He thinks he's going to be great. And I I think he is, too, watching the kid. I really I know we all thought Hayward was going to bowl up. But look, Hayward had a couple of years where he was great. You know, he had a 27 homer year until his, you know, the holes in his swing were exposed. I don't think this kid's going to have those kind of problems. He's not six foot four with those long swing and all this. This is a compact swing, six foot, power, built, can fly, great arm, smart kid, really quiet. Man. But even when Hayward was, was you know, the talk of the town, um, if you ask some of the, the longtime players, they were looking at Freeman. When it was it was between, yeah. you know, Jay Hay and Freddie, who was – Who's your? Who would you put your money on? And a lot of those guys, like TP, Chipper, TP. they were they were pointing toward you know Freddie. TP said, off the record, you guys are focusing on the wrong guy. Yeah, Freddie Freeman is the one, man. That swing, he said that 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 guy's different. You're right. And this uh, Snit hasn't held back either. Snit put he Snit said I liked his quote. He said it's I like when, when Acuna was coming over to Big League camp two years ago. He said as long as he told the front office as long as you send him over, I'm playing him because I want to see him play. He said that's yeah. what I'm thinking. That's what it's like for Michael Harris. I want to see him play. So he's put he put him in the lineup the other day. The game got rained out unfortunately, but he was going to start a game, and this was the day before his 20th birthday. He was going to start a great league game with nothing but low A experience, 20 games in low A. Well, I, you can't put any value on that that you know alternate site yeah. last year. Yeah, Snit said he's a very impressive player. I'm going to tell you that. That's kind of what they look like. Yeah, he's just he's raved about this kid. He said, uh, "Oh, and I asked Acuna, what have you thought about Michael Harris? You know, Acuna in an interview the other day, and he said through the interpreter, he said, from what I've seen, he's a tremendous ball player, and I'm glad he's kind of getting a shot here in spring training." And I wouldn't be surprised to see him soon in the big leagues. I like Drew Waters' tools, man. I think he's going to be a good player, real good player. He's got to cut down the swing and miss. But if I'm Drew Waters right now, I'm going, holy shit. And he's a really (laughs) confident. Drew Waters is a really confident player. Cocky. He'll say I'm borderline cocky like Chipper was when he's young. But if you're looking realistically at this, you're going, am I going to beat this kid out? They don't need all of them. And those guys need to all play. They're not platoon guys. No. I could see him leapfrogging him, even though he's he's only got 50 games of pro ball. I could see him leapfrogging him at some during this year. If he hasn't in their minds already or on some board they have privately. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's I mean, that good. You know, they got their ideas. And he doesn't strike out much, man. He puts the ball in play already. He's got a, a great approach at the plate. Markakis is the guy. That he was down. He started the year down last year down at the uh, alternate site when he when he opted out. So then he opted back in. So he had to spend a couple of weeks down at the alternate site to get ready. He came back. Snit said the first guy he was talking to me about was this Michael Harris kid. He said this kid mm. can play. Yeah. And Snit's like, really? You really like him that much? I liked him too when I saw him. And Snit said, oh yeah, this kid can play. And Harris said, Marquez was great talking to him down there. But he said all the all the guys the Braves sent down like Charlie Culberson was down there said all the guys that were down there were awesome as, t- as far as talking to him. He said, and I'd ask him questions, and they'd all tell me stuff. And he soaks it all in. 
Well, I that mean, that was the experience I had with Soroka when I when I went down to rehab a game in Rome. You know, everybody, uh-huh. everybody, you know, most of the guys in the minors and they're 19, 20, 21 years old. They want to know what kind of car you drive, or you know what the what they want to know about the lifestyle of being a big leaguer. Soroka was asking questions that I was like, "How are you thinking about that already?" You know, like pitch sequences and you know what where to mess with your slider and little things like that that yeah. really stood out maturity wise. But some everybody matures at their own rate, you know. Uh, just last thing on him, um, the other quote from from Marquise, who, who loves talking about this kid. He said, "This is just me talking, but I've I've been knowing this kid for six or seven years, and he's ready." And when I say he's ready, he's ready. We've got three good outfielders, four good outfielders right now in Atlanta, but this kid is ready. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> That's yeah. If he's if he's if he's going that bold with it, I mean, I trust it. So while it it seems almost absurd to say a kid could be up here before he's played hundred games in, in the minor leagues, Tatis did it, right? I think. Yep. But uh if there's an injury this year. I'm not going to be surprised after what Snit saw in spring training of this kid. If there's an injury and they think he's more ready than Drew Waters to play every day, you know, and do just to you know put the ball in play, do the things, play. They might bring him up, man. You never know. You know, God forbid, it's going to have to be an injury because they've got their guys. You know, yeah. Pache Acuna, those guys are playing every day, and Azuna obviously is playing left field this year because there's no DH. But next year. This might be the perfect time. The timing might all be perfect for this kid with the DH yeah. coming back next year and Azuna under this long-term deal. Left field's wide open next year, and they are not going to go out and get a guy to play left field next year. I can tell you that. You're not blocking this kid for another year. That's cool. I mean, to get it in the third round, too. Third round. How about that? That's what Snit said. Credit to the scouting department for seeing this kid and knowing. I'm sure Grissom talked to him, you know. I'm sure he talked to their scouts. Because he's, you know, they could see him every day playing here. Because that's the, yeah. that's the benefit of being a local guy. You know, yeah. they're not they're not like they used to go overboard. I think with local guys, maybe they weren't the best guy to take. They're not doing that now. But if there is a local kid who's special, they're going to get to see yeah. him more than other people are. And a guy like Grissom, who played for the Braves a couple of years, follows the team, lives here, he's going to tell him, you know, you need to come out and see yeah. this kid. So, oh, and 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 during the pandemic last year, this was another thing with the time it worked out for this kid and Gr- and having Grissom as a mentor. Whereas a lot of these kids are looking for a place to play and, and guys to you know face live pitching or whatever you know or try to find places to work out, Marquise has all these minor leaguers came back from when when things got shut down. These guys that had been in his program been drafted the previous year. They're all looking for a place to stay in shape. All the gyms, yeah. you know, in like South Atlanta, all the gyms and the and the fields are all closed down. Even where Grissom plays their games, the summer league. So he's got a piece of property in Fayetteville, Georgia, about thirty miles, twenty five miles south of Atlanta. And he got 20 acres that are wide open. He built, he and another former big leaguer went out there. They asked these kids, if we do something, will you guys come out and work your butts off? Because I'm not doing this half ass. If you want to do this, it's a lot of work. So they went out, built a little mini field. I I think it's like a half field, an infield to take infield on and run bases. They did an uphill, like an uphill climate course to run uphills on. And they had these five or six guys out there every day and some others that, you know, are like still playing the summer league ball in high school. And he said, Harris from day one came there every day. They're in the sun, you know, last summer out there and there's no water out there or anything. It's out in the middle of nowhere. It's nothing. It's just nothing high tech. This is all DIY build this your own self. 
said he knew when he came out there and the way he was working every day that that was one more thing. He said, this kid is, is going to, is going to, he's got what it takes. And, and he worked every day. So when, so when they started the alternate site, he was in great shape. I mean, he'd been working his ass off every day for hours with Grissom and these other kids. So he's not one of those that sat around and uh, during the thing and just like lifted weights, you know, or threw, you know, or threw in the backyard. Well, that's, you know, you can't, I don't, I don't know if that's something you can, you can build a work ethic, but some guys are just born with it. Yeah. You know, some guys are just so freaking hungry. You know, you just, you can just tell they're different from day one. And it, everything you're saying about it, man, I'm, I mean, you got me convinced. Yeah. So we'll see. You know, I wouldn't be talking, hyping him up if I thought I was going to blow up my face. And I, 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 have, <laughs> I have no doubts. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's cool. I just have no doubts. After talking to the kid, something would have to go horribly awry for it not to happen for me. A, an injury, you know, that, that he's that good. So we'll see, but the Braves got a good one, man. You went from having a monitoring system that was bereft of catchers and not many outfielders to having too many of both. If you, if it's possible yeah. to have too many. So well, if he's anything like Acuna too, I mean, having both those guys at, at that young of an age and Acuna's already locked up. I mean, I, that's a, I think a chipper, I think, uh, I think chipper made a comment. Somebody says left-handed Acuna. <laughs> We'll see. Is there a way for me to gamble on no, that? I'm not place saying, bet right no, now? I'm not going that far yet to compare to Acuna, <laughs> but this kid's special. He's special. So we'll see. Anyway, happy St. Pat's Day to everybody. And what? We got barely two weeks until the opening day, man. Flying. It's going to be here before you know it. So fans in the stands. Fans in the stands, like uh, 33% with the Braves are going to have higher than most teams. So that, it should be pretty loud with uh, 12,000, 13,000. 13, they can have yeah. a good drive with that. That would be nice. Yeah. Nice for the players. Yeah. And the fans. All right. And then they got people are going to go to Texas and they're going to have full stadium. <laughs> Super spreader event every game. Come out. <laughs> All right. Everybody have a good day, and uh, we appreciate it. Be back. We're starting every week, and then we'll go in, in a couple of weeks. We'll start moving to two a week when the regular season begins. So. Sounds good. Enjoy Walla Walla, man. All right. I'll We're see out. You next week. See you.